the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. I was talking with my friend, our friend, Tevi Troy, this morning. He was lamenting how the Washington Post and the New York Times obituary headlines on Midge Dechter were so nasty, so ideologically combative. The Washington Post headline, for instance, quote, leader of neoconservative movement targeted feminists and gay rights protesters, close quote. Well, if by targeted you mean gave speeches, wrote a book and several articles, okay. And yes, there are other ways to put it. A, not putting any of that in the headline, or B, giving the person, the scholar, their due with the notion that maybe she had a few points worthy of consideration. To wit, a headline like champion and defender of the family, influencer of politicians. She influenced a lot of leaders, after all. I noted this in the front page story on the Supreme Court Alito Dobbs leak the other day. They wrote in a news story at the Arizona Republic front page of the quote unquote anti-reproductive choice movement. Saving Inc. would have had an editor back in the good old days just write the story as pro-life, but we are in an agenda-driven world of communication today, and if you can make those want to protect innocent human life and to intervention or wrong thinking, that's what you do. That's your news today. That's your media today. The effort is to profanate the right and hobgoblinize conservatism. In any event, I was explaining to Tevi my thesis on principal opinion hierarchy. In some, the liberal left opinion is the recto ratio here, the right way to think here. Anything starboard of it is tolerable at best, but not acceptable. I emphasize at best. I put it this way to him. The opinion principle hierarchy is that there is only one right view in this country. Once you accept we are visitors here, we conservatives are visitors here, life makes more sense, like Jews in North Dakota in the 50s. Now, I don't mean to cast aspersions on North Dakota. What I do mean to say is that some come off here as strangers in a strange land. That's how conservatives come off to liberals. And because of the 30-year intellectual and elitist tear on one party's correctness here, what used to be called political correctness, conservatism and conservative viewpoints have been relegated to a very low level of respectability. respectability. Viewpoints that, as I say, can marginally be tolerated by the elite culture, but not ever respected. Odd, unenlightened at best, racist, fascist, more common and worse. That's why it's okay for people to do what people will do when they engage in left-wing riots in Baltimore. That's what Nancy Pelosi said. But telling people to march peacefully and patriotically if they are conservatives or Republicans constitutes an impeachable offense. That's what Nancy Pelosi said, too. Pro-life activists cannot peaceably hand out literature near a Planned Parenthood facility, but pro-choice activists can shut down their neighborhoods and put conservative Supreme Court justices and their families in fear of their lives, even relocating some to federally protected, undisclosed locations. They can do all that. Parents, however, cannot question liberal left orthodoxy at public school board meetings, not without the fear of 
intimidation from the FBI, which raises a truly interesting question. Why is there so much more tolerance, if not respect, for different and minority religious views in America, but not the same for differing political views, especially when those views attach to what we call conservative thought? Walter Burns makes the point that when Jefferson said it does me no injury for my neighbor to say there are 20 gods or no God, it neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. In fact, he added, difference of opinion is advantageous in religion. And it is advantageous in religion and, as he said elsewhere, harmless in physics and geometry. But he never said anything like that or resembling it with respect to political speech. On that subject, he and the other founders were not relativists. As they saw, we might lack knowledge concerning the right way to care for souls, but we had firm knowledge concerning the fundamental principles of government. We knew that governments were instituted to secure rights and that they derived their just powers from the consent of the governed. If this were merely an opinion rather than a self-evident truth, if, that is, it were a matter on which men might rightly disagree, it would be impossible to protect the right of freedom of conscience. For then, the opinion that governed must instruct men on the care of their souls would be equal to the opinion that the care of each man's soul belongs to himself alone, and the issue could not be decided other than by the force of arms. Thus, at our beginning, there was understood to be a difference between religious and other kinds of speech, which is why the First Amendment distinguishes them. With respect to religion, we were to be a house divided, and the Constitution was designed to keep that. With respect to fundamental principles of government, we were to be a house united, and the Constitution was designed to keep that. As we've discussed before, the relativism of allowing or protecting all forms of political speech here crashes into Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution. Quote, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government, close quote. So we are here where the one thing supposed to receive the most protection is speech that serves to reify a Republican form of government, which is the most attacked form of speech there is today. Republican form of government being the enemy of the reactionary and the revolutionary. This helps explain the regime of censorship only conservative speech faces, and why you have seen time and again, especially over the past week, the fear, if not despising, of Republican forms of government, including deciding a political question of rights where our house is, in fact, very divided. To the left, if you get to a progressive end by dictate, fine. If you get there by violence, fine. If you get there by speech, fine. But none of those means are to be tolerated or protected if the ends are not progressive, which is actually a Marxist as well as fascist view of politics. A hierarchy of opinion that does protect certain ends but not others, and the additionally ironic thing is that some of the other things in this regime of opinion hierarchy that is not protected today is the protection of norms and processes, with the greatest book on them being the Constitution. That's why the courts have been used to end-run the amendment process as well as the Republican form of government process. The pro-choice movement in America now no more wants 7,500 legislators debating and voting on abortion laws when seven or five will do just fine, just as it doesn't want a supermajority of states in Congress voting on amending the Constitution, perhaps adding rights as an example, when seven or five will do just fine. At base, this opinion hierarchy is at once anti-democratic in its essence and Marxist in its practice. Consent is not a liberal or left-wing value. 
Force and outcome are just what Alexander Hamilton warned about in the very first Federalist paper, which is why they don't care about our consent, because we are not equal to them. We are racist, fascist, extremists, and as of today, ultra-MAGA. Few concepts of politics could be more anti-liberal and anti-freedom. The liberal in former days, when there were liberals, was open-minded as to political solutions. And that is why someone like Midge Dector, a conservative, could work at a magazine like Harper's Monthly and a publishing house like Basic Books back in the day. Today, she'd never be hired there. And if she were hired, she would be fired or doxxed. And that is why her obituary headlines can be so very pejorative. She didn't have alternative points of view, conservative points of view. She didn't dedicate her life to supporting the family structure. She was a targeter of feminists. Of course, in the age where the ethos is the disruption of the Western notion of family, this becomes more and more understandable. But it ain't liberal. The spirit of the liberal was spoken of by one of the great jurists in our country, Learned Hand, who put it this way, quote, It is the spirit which is not too sure that it is right. The spirit which seeks to understand the mind of other men and women. The spirit which weighs their interests alongside its own without bias. The spirit that remembers that not even a sparrow falls to earth unheeded. The spirit of him who taught mankind that lesson it is never learned but never quite forgotten. That there may be a kingdom where the least shall be heard and considered side by side with the greatest. Close quote. That ended when Marxism took over liberalism here. Recall, as Marx put it, until him, philosophy was meant to understand the world, whereas to him, the point of philosophy was to change it. So call out specific names of Supreme Court justices and target them by promising they will inherit the whirlwind, whirlwind and pay a price. Target Supreme Court justices who vote the quote unquote wrong way. Call the abortion debate a debate exclusively exclusively about women's reproductive health while you are altering the terminology of what you are discussing. Just as humans in times past, seen as dysgenic or unfit for life, were read out of the realm of rights and into the realm of something other than or less than human. And attack conservative Americans of great literary achievement in the obituary headlines to ensure their lack of approbation or acceptable point of view. The spirit of liberty and liberalism is over. There is only one party here. It comes with a capital P. And as has been the hallmark of every totalitarian regime, understand to that capital P party, the ends always justify the means. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. You want to know about something good? Balance of nature is something good. It's fruits and veggies. It's all natural. They use vine-ripened produce that is third-party tested for bacteria, pesticides, heavy metals, you name it. Balance of nature fruits and veggies are gluten-free, non-GMO, contain no added vitamins or other chemicals. Don't need to. 16 whole fruits, 15 whole veggies, 100% natural from the capsule to the content within it you take it once a day and you are good 
to go. I've been taking it for three years. It has kept me well. It has kept my immunity boosted. It has helped me repair with extra long runs and bike rides. Balance of Nature. I love it. Balanceofnature.com is how to get there. Their fruits and veggies. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Um, I uh, have a confession to make. Uh, when I have a few things that are, you know, I, I just really look forward to, and they don't happen often. But when an author or writer or thinker I respect um, has an op-ed or an essay, and I'm able to get them on that day, that's like that's like my favorite kind of day. <laughs> that's that's a great day for me. <laughs> you know, that is just. There's nothing better when I can get an op-ed writer I respect uh, on that day. And we will um, have that uh, in our uh, next hour with when I, what I think of as one of the most gifted public intellectuals in America, certainly the best uh, American historian, history of, historian of America I know. He's a professor at Hillsdale College. His name is Wilfred McClay. He has a piece in the Daily Mail, and he writes, We are living through a teachable moment. The lessons on offer are familiar ones, but in urgent need of review. The first lesson is from Ronald Reagan. He writes, the guy whom all the smart people have dismissed as passe and who taught us repeatedly and never more memorably than when he told us that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The message is that freedom is fat, fragile, perishable, even in need of protection. We need to remember that lesson once again. The second lesson is that the principle to shut down American freedom today is coming from the political left in our own country. Usually we assume that the extinction threat will come from the outside, from some dark and unblinking enemy like the past, the Soviet Union or today, China. Or that if there is an internal threat, internal threat, it surely must come from the fever swamps of the fascist right wing. But today we find that threat coming from elements in our society that have long declared their affinity for freedom and have had a credible record of fighting for it in years past. The leak of draft Supreme Court opinion of a draft Supreme Court opinion suggesting the majority of the justices are on the verge of overturning the most controversial decision in modern history has unleashed a leftist rage and illustrated the movement's worst anti-democratic impulses. President Joe Biden, his administration, made it clear they will not condemn the unprecedented breach of high court's deliberative process. Instead, they have expressed sympathy with it and are determined to capitalize on it. Biden, who constantly calls on Americans to prove that democracy works, couldn't muster a defense of the judiciary branch. He ignored the pro-life movement's 50-year history of dignified and nonviolent protest and tenuously linked the news with his contemporary political opponents, whom he labeled, quote, the most extreme political organization in recent history. Pro-choice demonstrators identified and swarmed the homes of sitting justices. At least one Catholic church was vandalized. The purpose of these protests is less an exercise in free speech than an effort to destroy the independence of judges and institutions that should be protected from politics. Of course, the men and women who run today's left all want to convince you otherwise. When they seek to undermine institutions, shut down free speech or suppress disinformation, they do it in the name of democracy. What we see from the political left today is a rising tide of intimidation, coercion and censorship 
epitomized by the Biden's ad- uh, the, by the Biden administration's creation of a disinformation governance board, but also by the decision of numerous powerful and politically aligned big tech companies such as Facebook, Twitter, Google, and the like to disfavor or suppress speakers and viewpoints with which they disagree. Even the venerable American Civil Liberties Union, which once defended the right of Nazis to march through a Chicago-area neighborhood inhabited by Holocaust survivors, has caved to pressure and now uses a political litmus test in the selection of its cases. And the egregious Southern Poverty Law Center has arrogated to itself the right to brand organizations as proponents of hate speech and do so with complete impunity. Leftists celebrate Banned Books Week without any sense of irony, as if they were not the ones who are banning books today and inhibiting the expression of disapproved opinions. They pick at the moats in others' eyes while failing to note the gigantic beam in their own. Human nature is prone to such perversity. Any form of righteousness can turn over time into something very ugly. That is one lesson of the times, and it is a perennial truth. But our particular moment is offering us an additional an additional lesson, the difference between liberalism and leftism. We often confuse the two, and that is a grave error. What we are seeing before our eyes is a demonstration that if we are to keep and cherish freedom, we must defeat the tyrannical excesses of our out-of-control left. As a first step, we must recover the true meaning of liberalism. It has nothing in common with the radical Jacobinism that now seems to have taken over many formerly liberal circles. Nor is the philosophy upholding the idea of a large and ever-expanding state, directing the economy and culture with a controlling hand. Instead, liberalism is a philosophy that affirms our freedom and our rights of conscience, one in which these fundamental liberties are taken to be inherent rights, a part of who and what we are. Keep in mind the word liberty is at the root of the word liberal or liberalism. These liberties are, even as our Declaration of Independence says, unalienable rights, meaning rights that cannot be taken away and cannot even be given away. And it is a philosophy that solidly supports the free exchange of ideas, not only as a right of expression, but as a necessary tool for the work of self-government. What we should also understand is that this change is not entirely new. The progressive left has always had a problem with free speech. President Woodrow Wilson mounted an extensive propaganda campaign in support of the nation's involvement in the First World War and brutally suppressed most criticism of the war effort through measures that included the jailing and deportation of dissidents. That's your progressive leader, Woodrow Wilson. Ever since the 1960s, the effort to control discourse and dictate acceptable vocabulary, the practice often described as political correctness, has been one of the recurrent concerns of the campus left. The left's urge for control springs from its confident belief in its capacity to remake the world in its own image, the image of a utopian world based on complete equality of condition. I have more to say about this, more to quote from Wilford Riley, and very much looking forward to having him join the show in just about a half an hour. In the meantime, give us a call with your thoughts, 602-508-0960. Were you worried that the release would make it harder on Republicans to win in November? Or do you think they have so overshone their hand, the left, that they're going to make it easier for Republicans? I'd like to know. 602-508-0960. Be right back.
little Eddie Rabbit for you this Tuesday, May 10th. And speaking of the culture, it is time for our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His site is grandcanyonplanning.com. Has his own radio show right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. The Word on Wealth. Happy Tuesday, John. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. One of the things I and the audience relies on with you is to explain complex issues in ways that we can understand them. You're great at that. You do that with your clients. You do that with this, the audience here. So I was looking at today's uh, market activity, and there's this subheadline at the Wall Street Journal, and I'm hoping maybe you can unpack it for me for the audience. It says, small investors continue to pour money into stocks despite grim outlook for interest rates and a possible recession holding fast to the belief that discounted shares will eventually rise. Discounted shares. Talk to me about what that means. Talk to me about uh, Wall Street Journal's headline that's speaking about small investors pouring money in what oh, okay. some yeah. are calling a grim outlook. Take it. Take it all. So if, if you think about, well, okay, who, who would qualify as a small investor? Yeah. Well, you've got, first of all, the big boys in Wall Street, right, the sure. big firms sure. out there that are certainly uh, not considered small investors. Uh, the small investor would be that average person out there, like all of us, Seth, that we contribute to our 401K, okay. right? And every time we get a paycheck, we're putting a portion of that into our 401K. Now, we're limited on the amount that we can put into our 401K, but it's fairly substantial. I think it's depending on your age, it's somewhere between uh, sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000. And if you're over the age of 50, you could put up to, you know, twenty-five or some odd thousand dollars in there. Okay. So it's a substantial amount through your 401k. And every pay period, you're buying into the market, whether the stocks are high or whether they're low. So that would probably qualify as that small average investor out there. And they're not picking individual stocks in your 401k. What they're buying is, is a mutual fund. Right. And that mutual fund is in charge of purchasing the stocks that are going to be invested in that fund. So indirectly... Kind, kind of a suitcase of stocks, if you will. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's a basket of stocks, yeah. and you could pick different mutual funds within your 401k. Right. So that would really qualify for that small investor. And they're going to be buying, Seth, whether the market's good, Bad, right. That's what I was thinking. Right. Low, it right. doesn't matter. And so that's, that's how most people are in the market who aren't on the big firms, right? That's how most yes. people are in the market. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Their retirement right. account is right. probably one of their only investments outside of their home in right. many cases. Okay. okay. So that kind of covers that side of it. And the, now as far as, well, buying when, why are they buying when the market's up or down? In this case, they're saying the market has, has gone down. It's, well, they're going to buy no matter what. Right. And actually, Seth, I would say to someone who has a long-term outlook, why wouldn't you be investing in the market today rather than six months ago or five months ago when the market was 20 30% higher? Particularly if you are buying, I guess, what they are calling discounted shares, which are what? Shares of stocks that aren't at their peak value? Yeah, Yeah, or mutual funds that have gone down in Uh value. That's what you're buying. They're discounted from where they were five, six months ago. Okay. So, you know, the uh, successful investors over the years, and even someone like Warren Buffett, right, as we know, a very successful uh, investor, uh, he's 
constantly buying when markets pull back, right? And he's buying. He just bought a, a boatload more of Apple. He said at his annual shareholders meeting. Uh, why? Because the stock is well off of its high, and he loves that company. So he said, "Hey, if I can buy this stock at a discount, why wouldn't I? If right. I believe in it, right?" So, so that's kind of that that side of it. Yeah, it almost seems like a misdirection of a of a, of a headline. That's why I yes, was kind of confused by it. I thought, well, isn't this what you'd kind of want to be doing right yeah. now? Yeah, uh, exactly right. And, and if you have a long-term view. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you have a long-term view and if it's money you had already set aside anyway by designating yeah. a certain portion of it going to investing in 401ks, right? I Correct. Mean, you already Correct. have it. Yeah. Why Why would you buy only when it's high? I guess that's the point I didn't understand. And as you put it, it's not an understandable point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is a little it is a little confusing the way they worded that. I agree with you. Nicely yeah. done, John. Thank instead you. Instead of sir. instead of saying, you know, now may be the time. Yeah, yeah. To increase yeah. increase that yeah. that amount that you're contributing and take advantage of this pullback. Exactly. Thank you, sir. Thank you, you bet, John. Seth. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Henry Sipkin, investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Thanks, Seth. Thank you, John Dabrowski. I am Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. If you are looking for a really remarkable and unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, I want you to check out my friends at Y Refi. They are my friends. Met with them, spent a lot of time with them, and it is, as I say, a really great offer they have for you. Talking about a fixed, no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Why Refi helps people who are doing their best to dig out a debt the right way, by doing the right thing and paying off their debts, doing so with dignity, and getting their FICO scores fixed along the way. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by really good people who are doing very well by helping others. And you can too do very well and help others. What more can I tell you about them? Check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter y then refy.com or call them at 855-316-3087. This company is local, you can visit them and you will not get a sales pitch. They're just happy to talk about what they're doing. Why refi is in the business of helping people that others won't and you can be to investyrefi.com or 855-316-3087. One of the things um, I wanted to talk about uh, today, I've been noticing this is going to come and go in waves, uh, and it's Elon Musk's uh, purchasing of Twitter. It's, it's, it's going to come and go in waves based on what Elon Musk himself says. Aristotle says power is the ability to be and make things be. Elon Musk is one of those people. He has been one of those people for a long time. It wasn't just his latest purchase of Twitter. When he started Tesla, he had the ability to be and makes, make things be. During the COVID crisis, when he moved out of California, that was the ability to be and make things be and drove the news. His SpaceX project has been one of the most unique and, uh, I would say, successful 
uh, private sector approaches to technology and innovation and discovery and exploration and scientific research that anyone has undertaken since I don't know who. On several fronts, he has had this ability. Mostly, mostly it has been nonpartisan, the co- or at least it has not gotten a partisan reaction. The COVID reaction would be the, um, the, 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 one, the, one, uh, the one exception to that. Now, you would think in opening up something to make the marketplace of ideas more free, you would think that would not get a partisan response. But when you put everything together, we have been talking about – And when you shine a light on the depths of that which the left is trying to promulgate and impose on this nation, they know they can only do so if they do so with misdirection and censorship. You think about some of their proposals. They are actually the radical ones. They are actually the extreme ones, while all the while calling us the extremists. Think about what Chuck Schumer is forcing on the um, on the on the Senate t- tomorrow. The Senate is scheduled tomorrow to place a vote where every United States senator will be on record as the brainchild of Chuck Schumer in voting on an abortion bill. It is an abortion bill that is. Uh, Nothing like what has been proposed in any U.S. Senate ever before, not by a long shot. As Byron York put it, Democrats have made a lot of changes to their abortion legalization bills over the years. The short version is they have tried to make it less radical sounding and thus more palatable to people over time, but not any more. The one they are voting on tomorrow is titled, of course, Women's Health Protection Act. Women's Health Protection Act. Think about that. They had one in 2021, and the bill featured a long list of findings in which the Senate Democrats laid out their reasons for writing the bill. In the new bill, Democrats have thrown out all the findings and stick to the main purpose, which is to legalize abortion, get this, at all stages of pregnancy across the United States. All stages, all stages, up to birth, and to forbid states from passing any restrictions on abortion. Any. There's more. Reproductive justice seeks to address restrictions on reproductive health, including abortion that perpetuate systems of oppression, lack of body autonomy, white supremacy, and anti-black racism, the bill says. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? We have discussed abortion and the black community and how it has targeted that community. And yet the Democrats, the Democrats in the Senate have written a bill that says restrictions on abortion perpetuate systems of oppression, white supremacy and anti-black racism. Uh, It's it's as if words mean nothing anymore to the left. Words mean nothing. But you understand that words still do mean something, which is why they are trying to shut down the debate. They do not want people talking about the black abortion rate. They do not want people talking about the racist origins and the geneticist origins of Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger. They do not want that discussion to take place. 
Because if that discussion takes place, you cannot push abortion rights as totemic of anti-white supremacy and anti-black racism. The bill goes on to say the violent legacy has manifested in policies including enslavement, rape and experimentation on black women. What are they talking about? What are they talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. When you look at what's being done with the protests that are taking place, the lack of denunciation of those protests from the White House when they are at the houses and in front of the homes of Supreme Court justices, a violation of at least two federal laws that I know of, at least two, one specifically protecting the judges' homes, the justices' homes, and the other having to do with obstruction of justice. Yes, that's in play here, too. When you try and intimidate a judge, there is a federal obstruction of justice charge that can be thrown at you. When you when you are refusing to denounce that, when you refuse to stand up for the sanctity or the sacrosanctity of the Supreme Court being able to deliberate as a functioning institution of government, you have lost any credibility with anyone in this country talking about the norms of democracy and protecting democracy from the tyranny of a majority or the tyranny of any other political leader. They have surrendered all of that, which is why I posed the question to you all earlier. I'm curious to your response as to your response now. Still, do you think that the leaking of this decision is going to hurt Republicans in November, as I initially thought it had the potential to do, or that the left being the left is so turning off Americans that they are going to be further energized to vote for more Republicans and fewer Democrats? I'd love to know your, your, your views on this. The left will be left wing. The left will left. My question is, how are the conservatives going to conserve? 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Uh, Joe Biden today was trying to uh, convince Americans that uh, nothing is his fault, particularly inflation. Uh, that it all had to do with COVID restrictions and uh, the war in Ukraine. Eighty percent of the inflation started before uh, the invasion of Ukraine. I don't know how he doesn't take some responsibility for some of that, nor do I understand how he doesn't take responsibility in some cases, or at least in most cases, for the shutdowns throughout COVID. That was his party urging most of that. I heard Randy Weingarten head of the uh, teachers union the other day, uh, not the other day, this morning in an interview talking about how saddened she is and how much work the unions have to do to deal with the mental health crisis that children are now going through as a result of the pandemic. Uh, who, Who caused that? Who suggested that? Who wrote memos to the CDC and provided the CDC language on how to continue to keep schools closed Throughout that COVID, um, throughout the COVID shutdowns, Randy Weingarten said the one thing we didn't want more kids to do is have to spend more time on screens. Well, who pushed that and promoted that? It was Randy Weingarten. Someone said it's the arsonist complaining about the fire that they lit. That's exactly right. Joe Biden today, though, to go back to my opening point, Joe Biden today speaking uh, from the uh, podium, talking about what was going on today, had this to explain to the American people. Uh, uh, Without comment, I'll play it. And I agree with what Chairman Powell said last week, that the number one threat 
is the strength and that strength that we built is inflation. So the number one threat to America is our strength and the strength that we built is our inflation. That was not in a written speech. That was just, you know, a comment in response to a question. CNN today takes on a Republican senator named Rick Scott. You know who Rick Scott is of Florida. He's the head of the uh, Senatorial uh, Election Committee with the headline, A Republican Senator Just Went There on Joe Biden. Um, What is the there? It's that Rick Scott put out a tweet that said Joe Biden is unwell. He's unfit for office. He's incoherent incapacitated and confused. CNN has a problem with this. CNN has a problem with the Republicans saying this. Let me ask you all a real quick question. Is that better or worse than saying, and is it more accurate or less accurate than saying, as Nancy Pelosi did, and a whole lot of her caucus, that President Trump was a racist on the floor of the Senate? What's more true? What's more fair? I'm Seth Liebson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 